This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks. Here, as always, with Kara Sismadia from the Canadian Camping and RV Council. We're excited to have our first episode of 2023 focused on the RV industry and outdoor recreation. And as many of you who are involved in this industry know, this is a very busy time of year for all of these people on the show. There's lots of RV shows. Shane's going to touch on his show maybe a little bit, even though I didn't prep him for that. But I'm super excited to see how the RV shows have gone so far. I think the Tampa Super Show just wrapped up last week. So if anybody was at that, or I heard some talk about the NTP show too, just get a pulse on the sentiment of consumers and the industry as it relates to the industry. And so I'm super excited to talk about that today. Before we get started, I need to thank our show sponsor, CampSpot Software. I tend to always forget to thank our sponsors. So I'm going to try to remind myself at the beginning of every show, and hopefully my streak will be greater than one week in the future. But thank you to CampSpot Software for being a regular sponsor of this fourth week episode. For those of you who don't know, they provide some amazing campground and RV park management software for glamping resorts and the all of outdoor hospitality really as well. So super thankful to them. And then the last bit of housekeeping before we get started is we're going to introduce this brand new segment here at the end of the show for the last five minutes. We're going to talk about some future tech, some AI, some geeky stuff, and how it can possibly tie in and help your business in both the RV industry, outdoor rec. RV parks, campgrounds, stuff like that. Have a little fun, but just the last five minutes of the show, it's going to be called the Camp Vantage segment here, which is a super secret project that I'm working on that will make sense to you all a little bit later in 2023. But for now, let's switch back to the RV industry. And who wants to start? What's happening here? We've got so many things that are going on. Do we want to start with Tampa, NTP? Yeah, I'm keen to hear about how the how those shows went. We're on the verge of Alberta shows actually starting tomorrow. Yeah, I'm interested to hear but he was there. There he was on NTP, and so we're still. Yeah. So. And NTP Stag now also was at the Aero Distribution Show in Las Vegas. NTP Stag was in Denver. These are aftermarket distributors that supplies de- supply dealers and the aftermarket for products. And the outlook was great. The attitude for the dealers that attended was really optimistic, as most people know. When things go a little bit more quiet on the OEM side and not so many units are being built, the aftermarket tends to pick up really well because people are now taking their RV and fixing the broken products or sprucing it up or whatever. But the attitude was really great. It was well attended. It was great to see our neighbors from the north attending again. Future looks bright for the aftermarket in 2023. Yeah, and I, I know was there as well. Yeah, I was there with, and Susan and I were next door neighbors with our booth. So we got a lot of traffic and talked to a lot of dealers. I thought it was very interesting. Some of the new technology that's coming down the pike for RVs, especially in power generation as regulations on traditional fuel powered generators start to come into effect in California and elsewhere, the industry's looking ahead on solar and battery powered systems for RVs. 
And Cummins just announced at the Florida RV Super Show a new hybrid battery system for their generation. Things are going to be changing as we move forward, but the industry's got a lot of exciting new products to look at to look ahead. We did have some people down in Florida for the Florida RV Super Show. I think they had their second largest attendance ever at the show. So there was a lot of good buzz coming out of there. And also we we're hearing great reports out of some of the bigger shows in Pittsburgh, Boston, and Cleveland that were kicking off January. And I can't ever remember the industry looking at these consumer shows so closely as we're coming off these big shipment and sales years in 2021 and 2022. There's a lot of interest to see, are the consumers still ready to make a purchase? And I don't know what you saw in Canada, Sean, but there's a lot of intense interest in what's, what kind of show activity there is. Is that from media, Phil? Media and just the, the interest of the industry watching what's yeah. going on, what's the demand going to be like in, in the displays and our dealers going to be making sales. Yeah. Consumer interest was very well received as well. I know a lot of them were still looking at units. A lot of people were saying they're still going out camping. So that was really great to hear. Do we have a sense of, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, we've only had really one show so far in Canada. It was last weekend, the Halifax RV show, which is a smaller show. Now there was a snowstorm on one day. So the Friday was a little bit more difficult for people to attend, but overall it, it was, it went quite well. And the one dealer I spoke to, he had a lot of interest in park models and fifth wheels and motor homes, which is interesting because we were saying people were shifting back towards maybe smaller units, but that seemed to be what, what he was able to move and where his interest was. So it'd be interesting to see when Calgary comes up this weekend as well as Winnipeg to see what kind of what kind of interest there is and what product that's what I was going to ask if you guys have a sense of what the consumer is more interested in 2023 and beyond because it's very easy to say and we all know that camping is mostly recession proof and I stand behind that right but what type of camping people are doing I think might shift in addition to the normal demographic changes and things that we're seeing in the industry overall as far as preferences go so have you guys seen any of that change or shift or have you heard about any of that Go ahead. No, go ahead, Phil. One of the one of the things that we saw at NTP Stag, and I've been hearing elsewhere, is the interest in kind of overland camping, where people are not hooked up to traditional campground things. And whether that's a big trend or not, certainly it is an emerging trend as uh, campers get younger and they're looking for different types of experiences, perhaps. So there was a lot of overland equipment we saw at the NTP Stag show. And as, as that grows, that's going to have a lot of different kind of things for dealers and campgrounds to think about and what kind of offerings they have. And our dealers equipped to number one, equip those types of campers who are looking for a kind of an unhooked experience. And number two, do the campgrounds have spaces that will give that. And we've had some of those conversations on this program before about how traditional campsites are evolving where people are looking for more dispersed kind of camp. Yeah, I agree. It's the boondocking that because campgrounds are getting filled up faster. So they're find, trying to find other ways to camp without having to find that needle in the haystack at times. And true to what you're all saying is about innovation and solar. Phil, you were there, you seen the huge crowd around the RV that was next to us. And what they were showing was an awning and instead of fabric, it was solar panels. 
mm. thinking it pan- it would come out and it as it came out it would be just nothing but solar panels on top and then it would go back in when you're done and it could run everything from your microwave your air conditioner and the crowd around that was incredible people were really interested in this new innovation of how to hook solar it's hook it well to your RV. It would be awning if a bird flies over it, though. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good question. I don't know. <laughs> the microwave doesn't work. What could it be? That's the last thing that I would think of. But Was it a number of solar panels, Susan, or was it one large one? No, it was a bunch of small ones, and they were all hooked together, and there was space between it. So the, I was talking to the lady who kind of invented it. It was her company. And I, I was curious because you could see through it in spots. And I went, what about rain? She goes, it's not rainproof. Rain will get in. But quite truthfully, if you're an RVer, which I've always been an RVer, when it rains, you don't generally sit underneath your awning anyways, because if it blows, you're going to get wet anyways, right? So what really you sit under your awning for is to get out of the sun. And that would definitely provide shade. And what was neat about it is because there were some holes in it, the spaces in between, is it was more windproof. So now the windows, it comes up and it doesn't catch that awning, which lifted up. It actually gave some air to it, which was, they also had like systems in it that if you try to drive away with it open, it makes an alarm. It was really pretty swift. Yeah, the, the advances in solar panels are quite remarkable. Sometimes we think of them as thick, bulky items. And some of the companies there are have these real thin, very durable solar panels now that that can cover the top of the unit and can actually be used as replacement so for the older type solar panels there's a lot of technology coming down the pike hopefully it all works and that it can give RVers the experience they're used to with a fuel generation situation and fuel generators aren't going any, away anytime soon but certainly with some of the regulations regulation out there, there, there is a, a horizon out there. If, if, if those regulations seriously do take effect. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably what you're saying is there's probably no interest if they do go forward in purchasing something brand new that might be not kosher in a few years. Yeah. It's funny about you mentioning overlanding, Phil, I, and solar's fitting right into that, but I was talking to a major, one of the three major vehicle manufacturers about some things and we were talking about our show and they were more, he was more interested if we were going to show overlanding product. And if you look at their commercials now from all of these vehicle manufacturers, they're all in the, on the boondocking, they're all in the middle of nowhere. You know, unfortunately you don't see them at campgrounds, although express that, but they're all by a river or ocean or a stream. And that's what they want to show. Well, I think those images probably evoke more emotion regardless of whether they're, where they're actually going camping there or splitting time between a private park and there or whatever their interest is. I think it's more about the, wow, that's an amazing nature experience. Yeah. The trouble is the genuine accessibility of that. The actual ability to go camp in a place like that is not very simple. And that's, that can cause. You have $50,000 TV crew. That's all you need. (laughs) (laughs) Like permit from federal governments and all kinds of things in some cases, right? There's areas in our parks where vehicles can't even access. But to think you can camp there is tough, right? So there is, I know it's a conversation we have with operators at CCRVC all the time is this, the marketing concepts are visually stunning and beautiful, but sometimes cause them concern around 
perception. Yeah. Yeah. Not really misleading, but just not. No, yeah. I think of it. a consumer wants to go and experience that. And <sighs> that's hard to achieve. That commercial worthy experience can be tough to find. Yeah. That, and that's what marketing's all about, right? You're selling the dream. Whether you're, you're selling a sports car or whatever, you're not really going to be driving on wet surfaces doing figure eights in your Acura, whatever it is they're selling. The reality is a little different, but that's where marketing goes. And the fact of the matter is when we look at the data for campers, right? You may be thinking, I'm going to take that once in a lifetime trip to the Grand Tetons or whatever it is, but you end up using it with a short trips to nearby campgrounds. And that's the main use of it. But it is interesting how we, we try to sell, sell the sizzle. And, but we all end up using it for meat and potatoes. <laughs> and let's be fair. It's not just the RV industry. You're right. It's everybody that does that through marketing. I remember seeing the new Ford trucks that would come out towing like a whole thing of concrete, trying to stop in three seconds. And who was doing that? Maybe somebody, but they're not really buying the trucks to do that. So I think that's a valid point, Bill. I'm definitely oh, yeah. point. No, but yeah, I'm still that. waiting for my car or something like on Christmas morning with that big bow on it. <laughs> yeah. No. I thought everybody bought their spouse a car for Christmas and wrapped it in a bow. I always turn those commercials off before the end. <laughs> before your wife sees it? Or? Yes. But speaking about marketing, I was doing some research when I was making this pitch to these guys. And it's amazing how many other companies not associated with the car, the automobile business, are using RVs in the commercial. Absolutely. It's tremendous to see that they see this industry as a track to be able to show them in, in what they're pitching, which is insurance banking. There was the one, it was a gambling commercial. He, it was him relaxing at the end in an airstream. There's just tremendous examples out there and it's just great to see. Wait, did he use his casino winnings to buy an airstream? No, he, uh, he didn't need hey, casino winnings. Uh, it was the well, thing. If your airstream's there and you have a big gambling problem, what if he bets his airstream? I was listening. Dangerous. There's your whole house there, right there. I'll just throw that in the poker chip pile. Well, yeah. We yikes. digress. Yes. Yikes. But you're right, Shane. You're right. It is good to see the mass adoption of it's becoming more, it, it's always been mainstream, but it's becoming more visible in the mainstream. Yeah. And maybe it's because I'm in the industry that I notice all these little things. But, uh, of course. It's I mean, that's, that's what, but everybody who's in their own industry notices that stuff too. Yeah. Uh, I think it, once upon a time, you'd say you worked in the RV industry and people are like, what's that? Nowadays, I think it's more mainstream. Yeah. Yep. Requires less explanation. Well, yeah. What are you seeing for your show, Shane, in, in Toronto? Do you have any early numbers you want to share with us or tell us yeah. at least if it's good or bad or? Yeah, we're, we're up so far. I think there's a lot of buzz. It's just, it's great to be back to normal. You follow all the Facebook comments and people were complaining about how last year went, which was in the middle of COVID. So it didn't go so well and not all the exhibitors are there. So it's just nice. And I'm sure all the shows in the U S too, will say this, it's nice to be back to normal without having the restriction. Um, and we're really happy now that Susan's there. We're, we're going to be sending a release out shortly, but we're going to be hosting a RV Women's Alliance meeting in, during one of the days. And we're really excited about, about that. Excited to be there. Group. And it's, it, it, was, it was timely yesterday. We received this application from this 13-year-old girl who started up her own camping fire accessory store. And she'll be, she'll be at the store, 13 years old. And wow. And we're really excited to have her. I think we're going to invite her to the uh, 
the meeting, hopefully she'll be able to come out and see and meet them. Mostly older. Mostly older. You should hire her right now, Jane. I know, right? That was me. I was hustling, selling baseball cards and mowing lawns and whatever. People who do that when they're that young are going to be crazy. So you mean I discipline my kid who I just found selling candy at school and stuff? I should applaud him for that. No, no. You're an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. My daughter talks, she's 14. She talks all the time about wanting to be an RV tech. And I'm always like, I could probably get you a job right now. Well, we're doing all female RV tech classes. She's more than welcome to attend any of them. Yeah, no, she, I'm excited to see her. That'd be really cool. Good yeah. for her. It's awesome. Yeah, we need more techs, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just not squashing those dreams. So that 13-year-old must have parents that embraced her idea. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. Let the child evolve to however, and we're not going to get into a parenting discussion, but let the child evolve to whatever they want to be to, within a frame that's reasonable. Of course. Depends on where they got the candy from that they're selling type of thing. Right. <laughs> old mother who's buying the product that he's profiting off of. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, I would argue that's different though. So yeah, he's got a, yeah. that's halfway there. Halfway yeah. there. Almost there. Make him figure out a way to buy the candy and see if he can. I was just going to say, come up with a business plan for him. This is how you buy the candy. And then this is your profit margin. And yeah. Oh boy. Great to start him young. That's for sure. Great. But uh, going back to what you guys are talking about, I don't know. I, I'm not getting a feel of, of what products are going to sell. It's awfully uh, difficult. We, there was some fall shows that, you know, they said that the small units were going small adventurous units and and now from what you were saying halifax a bigger unit so it's really hard to i guess it i guess for us we don't care as long as they they sell (laughs) yeah i was in a meeting today and they said the same thing usually the smaller units lighter units the stick and tin as we call them start to go but we're not seeing that which is very interesting yeah yeah one of the lenders i was talking to and they see a lot of the financing deals across their desk, what they were saying is that some of the smaller affordable stuff is moving. And then on the other side, the high-end stuff is moving quite well because those people are less, the higher price you're paying, probably the the less impact some of the ups and downs of the economy might have on your personal finances. So they're out there buying motorhomes, fifth wheels, things like that. And, and then on the other hand, you've got the people that are really looking for a bargain, the affordable stuff. And so that stuff's moving and. That's what they're seeing, the, where the activity is at the real low end and then at the high end. And that's Party. what I would expect, like coming from outside the industry, right? Like the RV industry, just focused on campgrounds. And this is what we've been telling our clients is the top 10% of the income earners, the luxury RV resorts, luxury campgrounds are going to be fine unless the economy gets really bad. And so if you cater to that 10 of the market, I think you're going to be good. And I think, again, the BLM, the Overland, the state parks, the cheaper campsites, they're also going to be fine. And I think the middle is going to be more competitive. I think there's going to be plenty of campers to go around, but I don't think it's going to be as many as 2021. So I think it's going to be a little bit more competitive. Yeah. And you got to remember, people are still working remote. That has not gone away. That continues to go on. And now that people have the taste of it, they don't want to let go of it. So you have that client out there as well. Yeah. And also some of the people up in Canada, the government I saw are being asked to go back. I'm wondering uh, what kind of pushback we're going to see. Yeah, I think 
we're seeing that for sure, that people are migrating back to the office. I know if it's weather related, that there are fewer people working remotely in Canada than in the U.S. could be, right? Especially in their RV, but we are seeing people go back to that. But I still think in talking to consumers, you still have people that are wanting to explore their own backyard and not completely comfortable traveling necessarily far away. And so I think we, the campgrounds should potentially have a very good year this year. Even though it might be a little bit soft on the dealer side, I think the campgrounds will be busy. Yeah, I think it's for all of us, it's tough to follow the couple of years that we had. And so keeping that perspective too is important, but it's still great. We're still doing great. Just maybe not as skyrocketing performance as the last 21, especially. Yeah. We had to have it. Totally. Are you hearing anything from campgrounds, Kara, so far? But yeah, the majority of them are up here are closed right now. Um, Early reservation sentiment, things like that. Yeah, a lot of them are only just opening for reservations for the year. So it's, it's early, I think, to start to say. But I think through last year, even we were starting to see folks book less far in advance, waiting till closer to their travel dates to, to make reservations and things like that. It'd be pure speculation for me to say why that might be, but guess probably just volatility with the economy and things like that, waiting to see if how things go before they make those reservations and stuff. But yeah. overall, the parks I have had a chance to talk to are seeing good numbers that nothing really out of the ordinary or unexpected at this point, but we'll see. The coming months, Weeks and months will be the big kind of tell. We'll start to have a better idea of how this summer will. And hopefully we're going to see the return of international traveling, right? Oh, yeah. In, I, in I, oh, I'm sorry, Shane. No, go ahead. Yeah, I agree. I was just in a couple of Travel Alberta sessions. They are spending some significant dollars and resources to do targeted advertising in Europe and Japan and China and places like that to, to try to reopen interests in coming this way. And so I think absolutely we'll start to see a return to that. But we've also got the rental agency companies preparing fleets in advance to, to get those numbers back up. They had pulled off inventory and things like that the last couple of years and now are prepping for things to get busy again. I think they're definitely seeing a huge increase in reservation numbers based on what I've heard here in Alberta. So I think for sure, that's a great kind of opportunity for campgrounds specifically that they can harness in 2023. So what else are we looking for, forward to for the RV industry in 2023? What's on, what's on people's minds, some goals we have for this year or things you've heard manufacturers talk about. I know somebody just announced a Starlink partnership. Is that Thor? Yeah. Again, interesting, right? What are they doing given, I didn't see any more than that. Is it a subscription for a year or something? I think they're building it into their units, aren't they? Is that, do you know, Phil? Are they, Phil? Yeah, that they have certain units. I think it was Tiffin and Airstream they're starting with and putting it in the units. And certainly that gets to the larger point of people wanting to be connected when they're out in their RV. And certainly here in the U.S., we're going to see in a, a lot of investment, both at the federal and state level in modernizing campground infrastructure with, with Wi-Fi and other connected devices so that this remote from work can happen as well as just the needs of the everyday traveler, which is certainly when you look at some of the research, that is a big, a big want for travelers, whether they're camping or recreating outdoors, they still want that, that connection. And that Starlink partnership is a, that just 
reads right into that narrative, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what else is new? What's, what else is changing in the industry? I, I, RG Women's Alliance, just, is there a report that just came out from you guys or? Oh, our impact, our 2022 impact report. So it just gets a year in arrears of what we've accomplished in 2022 and what's going to happen in 2023. One of our big things is we I said earlier is the all women's tech classes. And so those have gone nationwide. We did a pilot program in 2022 where we were going to have 12 women go through the RV Technical Institute's tech level one tech class. And we had over 120 applicants. So it just blew us away. So we graduated 24 women out of the Alcar class. So what we decided to do is to take that nationally. We have a Florida, a Dallas, an Oregon, a Pennsylvania, and an Elkhart class this coming this year. And of course, rvwa.org, if anybody, any women out there who would love to take that class. What we learned is you lower that barrier to entry to having it all women. And it's not like, and I laugh at this, it's not like men go out of their way to make women be all comfortable in these classes. It's not that at all. It's within ourselves. We go in these classes feeling intimidated. Well, some do, I wouldn't. But anyway, it makes them more comfortable. We've had, we've followed some of the graduates have gone on to be the female techs or they worked for their, they're working at the OEM plant. So we had one woman who owned her own campground and she wanted to help her customers more because where do things break down most of the time? If you're not on the road, you're in the campground and something breaks and so she wanted to have the ability that when her guests are there to, you know, at least for through level one, to go out and be able to help her customers. So that was, that's a really big plus. And of course we have leadership training and mentorship and educational roundtable discussing all the different parts of the industry. And of course your my plug RBWA is free to its members because of our partners, but there's a lot. And this industry is a wonderful industry to work in, as we all know. It's big, but small and somewhat famous. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see how that's changing and evolving. I'm super glad that you're able to start that and have more women yeah. feel comfortable. Yeah. We'd yeah. love to they had a lot of, kind of, oh, sorry, Susan. Oh, no, Shane. So 2024, we weren't, Canada, we weren't quite ready. I think our VTI wasn't quite ready to bring it up to Canada, but we did tell Stacy at Great to Meet Canadian RV that 2024 is our goal to bring those classes up also mm -hmm. in Canada and have at least two of them, one at East Coast, one at West Coast for you guys as well, for all women. Awesome. Yeah, we're excited about doing that with you guys. Are there any opportunities to do not replace with in-person ever, but supplementary virtual courses to allow more people to attend? So the RV Technical Institute does have a hybrid where you can do it all online, at least okay. for level one. And it's relatively really inexpensive. The studies just came out. I don't, I'm not sure where they, when and where they released this, but there is one tech for every 5,000 RVs out there on the road which is just mind-boggling, right? Now we know why everything's so backlogged. And that's giving this industry a little bit of a black eye. So the focus is to get more people trained out there. Level one, you can do at your own pace online. And then tons. And then level two is a three-week program where you can do two of the weeks online and then come into town for a one-week in Elkhart to finish that up as well. So they are trying to work with people not everybody can come out to Elkhart, Indiana, especially in the wintertime. So it's a really great program to get involved in. I feel like I know the answer to this question, but we had a LinkedIn comment here from Rob Nutting that says, is there still a high demand for RV techs? I'm There's sure it's Washington Bill's mind, but. You do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 
Absolutely. Right. And the thing about what's going on with RVTI, I'm on the board of directors there and really tech training and the opportunities to get into the service and manage service management side even have never been more accessible or affordable in my view. So whether it's through RVTI, the online training that's available there, the RV Learning Center, which is an RVDA's educational arm, offers three online training courses right now, one for service writer advisors, one for parts clerks, and then one for parts managers. And then we have service manager and warranty administrator online courses coming later in the year. So I think between RVTI and the RV Learning Center, the accessibility of these courses is really outstanding. And there's a demand in all these areas at dealerships for certainly techs and for service management people. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was just going to say, and it's never been more affordable. And especially for those, there's this big movement of kids not going to college, right? One, it's expensive. And two, they've come to realize there's a lot of jobs out there that you can make decent living at without going into debt or going to college. And RVDA and RVTI, you can start a career with very little investment. It's an amazing way of life that you can get involved in. What are the biggest, and just from coming from a place of ignorance, what are the biggest roadblocks to creating more of these tests? Because you say that a test is coming out later in the year, later in the year, Phil. What is the biggest, is it coming up with the questions? Is it figuring out well, the knowledge that people need or what does that look like? Yeah, for RBTI and the RV Learning Center use what they call develop a curriculum or a DACOM process. So you have to get the subject matter experts together, pull everything out of them, and then it's got to be synthesized. And in our case, it's the Ohio State University Center for Employment and Training does that for us, puts it all together in, into learning modules. And then we have to put those learning modules in a learning management software program. And then we have to test that to make sure that we did it the right way. And yeah. then you can put the online training together and then ultimately a certification test to validate the knowledge that they went through. So it is a process and it does take some time. We're very pleased to have these three ready to go. And then we're going to have two more following. And I think not exactly the same on the technical side because you're turning wrenches and things like that. So, so there's a hands-on part of that is very important as well. I have a reason I asked that question and we'll get to it in the last five minutes of the show. But oh, diggling that carrot again. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, can't yeah. wait for the last five minutes. I know. And I know, yeah. Phil, you guys have scholarships that sort of RVTI. So, you know, there's ways to get into it with no money. And Canada does too, right? You're yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's interesting because our program is a little bit different. First of all, we partner with, with Phil and the RV Learning Center for the fixed ops courses. If there are Canadian dealership personnel that want to participate. It's very affordable. It's $150 US per course. It's a great opportunity. And then RVTI fits in. It's it, an interesting space because in Canada, we have a, a national apprenticeship red seal program. So there's national standards for every trade in Canada. So the RV service technician trade, there's a national standard that was actually just updated. A new one was just released this past year. And then each province has apprenticeship programs, which they're in charge of putting together. And so they have schools, they have ultimately a standardized national red seals exam that they have to pass. 
So it's similar. We have subject matter experts, technicians, people from the industry coming together, develop the curriculum, develop the testing. The curriculum is then given to the colleges to implement that the end goal is that, you know, it's, it is a little, it's a three-year program, but when I tell, it's not available in every province. So what we tell our, our technicians and our dealerships is a great way when you're trying to bring people in especially when we're at career affairs, we're saying, yes, the training may be out in British Columbia, but you can start off with RBTI tech training, right? Because it's available online. Level one is a great way to learn about the, the basics, about the electricity and some things like that. So it can be used up here for some of the basic training. We do have uh, scholarships as well. We have, it's after the fact. So I know your yours are often before, like if you register for this course, you may have access to it. Ours are actually sponsored by NTP. And we have, we call them bursaries. They're both for technicians as well as parts personnel. And we award them. We have just over $12,000 we award annually to people in those industries, providing that they've taken the training and passed it successfully. Again, a bit of an incentive. And our tax season is just everybody's getting their tax, their T4s and their T4As in Canada. With, and the techs were all like, oh, thanks so much for giving me this $1,000. It helps to pay for, we, we get these beautiful stories of how they've used funding. So things to keep in mind if you're a technician or a dealership in Canada. And there's a huge demand. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. And, 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 we've really had, oh, and sorry, we talked about this before just briefly, like really the problem is the intricate training with RVs as it relates to the difference between the abundance of auto mechanics, right? They have to know the individual parts and different things like that. Yeah, there's about 14 trades, I think we said. In the RV technician trade, there are 14 individual trades. You learn to be, which encompasses many trades. So if you're a carpenter, you learn carpentry. But in your RV tech, you learn carpentry, you learn electricity, you learn welding, you learn, you learn so many different right. areas. So my question is, let's pretend, and again, I'm leading somewhere with this, but if you have an auto mechanic who wants to maybe go to, to learn RVs to level up or whatever else, maybe doesn't have the time, always has to be with his business. If, he, if there was a database that he could query, how far of a stretch is it that he could do some of that 25% of the work of RV tech? Is it a big stretch? I'm ignorant. So I'm just asking. Well, no, I think it, that, that it's very transferable skills for mm -hmm. auto mechanics, boat mechanics. One of the things that is attractive that we've heard over and over again from existing techs is the variety of work. Okay. They're not same thing every day in a lot of dealerships. Not, not true of every dealership. And some people do like to specialize. They just want to work on generators, for instance, or they just want to do collision work or whatever. But for the majority of techs, there is a variety of things that they're working on, whether it's the plumbing, electrical system, hydraulics with slide outs and things like that, or their roof, roof repair. So it's a lot of different tech skills that are needed to be an RV tech. And the other thing on the other side of it, on the, like the service writer advisor side and parts, we are getting people coming in from, maybe they worked at an advanced auto parts place or some kind of a national chain and they yeah. end up for an RV dealer and they find out, oh, wow, this is a lot different than working at an auto parts desk at a dealership or at a store. So that's where our training comes in to help them navigate that. And as they take the training, they become more confident in their job. They're more efficient for the dealership. And of course that ends up on the other end is better customer service. And that's the main thing, but it is difficult to recruit some of these folks to get them in, into the job. And that's what RVTI is working very hard to do.
spread the knowledge about why this is an attractive field. I don't think it's hard to sell. They just have to talk to these people. Yeah. And some dealerships out there are already certified to train their own technicians. So they can just get a job at the dealership without any of this education. And the trainer at the dealership can certify them in some of the lower levels. Yep. They use the RBTI training and they have a mentor right at the dealership who does that. So there's a lot of dealerships going to that model. It's the train your own model because of just having somebody qualified walk in the door, probably least less likely to happen. So what else is happening in the RV show world, RV from a consumer standpoint? Because we have a lot of campground owners who watch the show too. And we touched on it briefly. We're happy with the attendance. We're not sure which way the model buying is going, but maybe high end and and also some lower end with some middle, maybe possibly we don't know yet, falling by the wayside, at least in the early shows. What else do we, what else are we hearing or what do we think the outlook is for 2023 for the rest of the industry? Their campground should be full. Yeah. I don't think the there's going to be any, can we, I, can I, I would bet money on that one. So be prepared. Okay. Go back to what you guys are talking about before. There's a tremendous demand about what parts and accessories they can get at the show. Like more than ever, maybe they're not looking for a new unit right now. They want to still shop for one, but they're really interested in picking up knickknacks and parts and everything. It makes and, sense. Uh, Given the amount of things that were sold. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. want to personalize and customize their RV once they buy it. There's a huge trend in that. You see it all over that people are painting this or putting, decorating it this way, decorate it just like your home. Whereas before they'd buy it and just go camping, now they accessorize it. So there's that huge opportunity there as well. Yeah. And I think that's good for the whole industry. The more accessorization they do, because the more you put that personal feel in, the more time you want to spend. Exactly. Yeah. At least you would assume so, right? You'd hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And for the first time too, RVDA and CRVA and CCRVC have all got together and we have these career booths that we're going to be for the first time bringing out to all these RV shows across Canada, or at least most of them. And you need to get face-to-face -face with potential employees as well. Not only try to sell them some stuff, but maybe they want to work in the industry. So we're, we had our first booth in Halifax, Eleanor and yeah. Yeah, we've got forums and I think it went, I think it went, it went really well. I don't know how many, we had some brochures to hand out just to talk about the career path for all three segments of the industry. And you, we also go to career fairs, but here you've got a captive audience. They're already here because they're familiar with one aspect of the RV yeah. industry. So why not give them more information? And sometimes it's not necessarily just the person there that may be looking at a unit. They've got children or grandchildren, or it's a great opportunity to capture people who are already engaged with us on some area. Yeah, 100% makes sense. Is there any move to do that at any of the U.S. shows that we know of? Or? Yes, the RVTI is out there doing some of that. Not so much at consumer shows, but at some of the trade shows. I know that they're out there at career fairs and this is actually just getting started for RVTI, but it, it's certainly going to be a, a, a focus in the future. And I know we probably all heard stories about people who are in the RV business because they started camping and it became something that they were, became a career for them. And certainly there's a lot of folks out there that are potential employees because they're predisposed to camping and RV travel. It was the number one thing I used to hear from guests when I was a campground owner was... Oh my gosh, it's my dream to have a kid. <laughs> yeah. 
campers, if they're bought in, they love it. I think it's a great opportunity to make that available at the consumer shows. I'm excited to see the booth this weekend in Calgary. How long does it take to actually take a level one course? You can do it in one week. Studying and everything, yeah? You can do it at RVTI in one week. But they offer it online where you can just do it at your own pace. If you have a day job, you can do it at night. Let's say, so let's say you studied for the whole thing in advance. How long would it take you to actually take the test? Oh, the test is only two hours or something. Yeah. yeah. So you could do a live test at, to Shane, you should do a live test at your show. And if they pack it before they leave, then they get a free ticket. One of the things you found with online learning is it really varies on people's ability to process information. We've got people who can take our service writer advisor course and all the modules in it within three hours. Others take five hours or whatever. So there's a quite a wide variance on it. And then some people like to go back and see what they review, what they've learned before they move on. But that's one of the nice things about online learning. It is something. If it's designed right, it is truly self-paced and you're not rushing through it. And you can always go back if you didn't understand something, which isn't always in a live setting. Yep. Yeah. And it depends on how you learn. I'm a hands-on person. Right. Family learning's okay, but I love to be hands-on. And so there's options. It just all depends on the sky's the limit. COVID really pushed that farther than ever faster, which was actually a good thing because now all these technologies that they push people to be able to access things in different ways. And that was coming all along. It just got here a lot faster than we thought. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Technology is here faster than we thought, but we still have five minutes. You guys, <laughs> else you want to talk about? <laughs> I don't keep on dangling that carrot. It might just be like inflating it. It might be, it might be a let us be the judge. Yeah. Do we have anything else to talk about before we pivot? I was only planning to do it for five minutes. No, anybody else have anything? All right. If you guys have not heard of this already, this is, we did a little demo of this last show at the end of the show too. We're going to start a new segment on this show. It's going to be called Camp Vantage. And that's a secret project I'm working on. You guys will know what that is. I said, I think at the beginning of the show a little bit later this year. But the intent behind the segment is just to spend the last five minutes of the show talking about technology and in the beginning, maybe a little bit about AI and stuff, because that's where I'm focused on, but just things that can help push this industry forward. And eventually, I think when we launch the business, it'll push off into its own separate podcast. But for now, we're going to start with this. Has anybody seen this buzz around this tool called ChatGPT? Yes. Yeah. And oh, yeah. how many played with it? Okay. Kara's played with it. Susan's played with it. That's it. Shane's seen it. I have seen oh, it. I, I haven't yeah. played it. All right. So this is basically a artificial intelligence that was built by OpenAI, which is a company in California. It's been around since 2015. Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, Sam Altman started it. And recently, big announcement, I think Monday, was that Microsoft was already an investor at a billion dollars and put 10 billion more dollars into it. And I'm going to show you why. So let's pretend here we're going to take our conversation that we talked about RV techs, right? I am designing a test for certification and you, somebody can tell me if I type something stupid here, I'm designing a test for certification of RV technician. What are the top 10 things they need to know to properly service a recreational vehicle? That sound like a good question. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. See what it does. 
Somebody can tell me if this is accurate or not. Can't really read it. <laughs> wow. You know what? It, it's, it's scary accurate. Electrical systems and wiring, including DC and AC power generators and inverters, plumbing, heating, propane, chassis and suspension systems, engine maintenance and repair, transmission, drivetrain, interior systems, lighting, appliances, furniture, exterior systems, awnings, slide-outs, and leveling. Yeah, safety systems, smoke and carbon monoxide detectors, and fire extinguishers. So right. you limited it to 10. If Oh, yeah. Can... I mean, we get 10 more, but let's just do this. Let's say, okay, so let's start with, and we're just going to talk to it like a human, right? Let's start with section number one. I need to come up with an outline for what this training would look like. It's a couple instead of come up with, but I think they'll figure it out. Maybe. So here's a possible outline for a training program on electrical systems and wiring for RV technicians. Introduction to electrical systems and RVs, overview of concepts, DC electrical systems, types of batteries, understanding DC circuits, safety considerations, AC electrical systems, troubleshooting safety considerations, generators commonly used. I'm sorry. Inverters. I'm going to interrupt you. The problem that the concern I don't not necessarily personally have, but that I could see coming up out of this is you need someone, you need a human who knows what they're talking about to vet what this is accurate, right? Of course you do. And this is a shortcut to helping the human give this program is what I think. Hey, typing it out. <laughs> and if you're just curious, instead of Googling it, what do I need to know? Just so you, you get a better understanding. Is this the career route for me? Do I want to learn this? Really outlines it a lot better than. Well, and I think we, we touched on this last week too, related specifically to like the standard Google search or, or search engine op optimization where like. Now you get one answer as opposed to a million results on Google that you have to comb through and filter through and use your human skill. Well, get to that. But yeah, this, this is, a, again, Microsoft invested $10 billion in this tool. They've announced that this is going to come to Bing and they want to do it by March. So really this bad. is the future of actual search, which we'll touch on in a second. But let me just finish this real quick and say, okay, so I'm the test taker now. So give me five examples of multiple choice questions for this section that would test their knowledge. Like, what is the function of a converter? A, B, C, D. Like it's literally giving you everything. Again, human vetted, of course you have to have it human vetted. But the yeah. ability of this thing to save so much time. Absolutely. Wow. Is in and those are great questions. But if yeah. I remember this correctly, how this works is it goes out and gathers a lot of information out on the internet. Almost the entire internet up to 2021. Yeah. This is, this is the beta. Yeah. Here today, what does that mean? The beta me it means it's the first it's version we're just oh. it's, okay. it's not even yeah. as good as it could be. Yeah. And that's why Microsoft obviously invested ten billion dollars in it. My son works in this field in some aspect. He's a data miner, so to speak. They also call him, I think, a data engineer. I don't know. But he's seen this coming for a while and he's still blown away by it. Tell me why someone should be an RV technician while we continue our conversation. In case you need any marketing points for RVTI, Phil. 
Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, it looks like they're pulling some of this stuff right off. Yeah. DIY. Yeah. And they probably do. Some yeah. they are. Like, I don't, but it's all original. It's yeah. definitely no, original. It pulls it off of everything that it finds out on the web. And, and what amazes me is the speed it does it at. Oh, it's incredibly fast. Yeah. So are there people using this as their, like, chat bot to answer yeah, questions? Yeah, you can. So this is interesting. I was telling you guys, I think before the show started, but I was reading about the, uh, let me find the article, the class that was yeah. using this in education. We've seen some problems with this with students writing essays and stuff like that in New York City schools, I think, and it's like that. But we saw, uh, there's an article here that's, find it, from, let's see if I can share this tab is set here. We go. Can you guys see that? So Alper, Alperovich, yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I just popped up in my Google feed because I read a lot about AI, but five days in class with chat GPT. And he's talking about this guy does coding and stuff. And he's saying everybody had chat GPT open, which was shocking. The, the professor like made them have it open. And then during the class, he says, five days later, I had no, no longer any doubt. This thing will transform higher education. The first use case is that machine filters mundane questions. As one of our students put it eloquently, meaning you can ask the dumb questions to the AI instead of in class, which stops them interrupting the professor, right? The second benefit is you no longer disrupt the flow of class. For example, with a question like what's an offset or a binary file or whatever, think of it in RV tech terms, right? Everybody could keep up another benefit. We remained, we had a highly uneven level of technical expertise from no technical to computer science, but everybody could keep up by asking those questions to chat GPT if they didn't know without interrupting the thing. And then this thing can code. It can do all kinds of stuff. So this is just super. You can write poems. Yeah. Yeah. Write... Poem. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Write me yeah. a poem about being an RV. An RV tech. An RV tech. Yep. You're really good. <laughs> like, it's weird today, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Put that yeah. on your website. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. And you know what's kind of nice about that, too, is sometimes you're in that class and you don't want to ask that question, right? Because you feel stupid. And you can ask a question to this and at least get an answer where you feel a little bit better about what you're talking wouldn't, about. Wouldn't it be neat if this incorporated sarcasm, too, though? Oh, you can. <laughs> if you tell it to, it will. Reason to be an RV tech, but make sure the answer is sarcastic. No, if we want, I don't know if we want to post that. <laughs> because who doesn't want to spend their days drinking someone all while getting paid a pittance? It's the ultimate combination of glamour and excitement. <laughs> That's, That's fantastic. <laughs> the right orders, Jen. Uh, yes. Give me an answer, but make yeah. it funny. Yeah. That's it. That's, the thing can do literally almost anything that you ask it from a knowledge work perspective. Yeah. And so the ability yeah. for this to save time and make us, there's nothing been like this since the Industrial Revolution. When we took hand sewing and put it into a factory, That's the internet wasn't even like this. No. And this is coming very fast. What Kara was talking about is a search engine called, and Bing is going to put it in there, but right now is a search engine called Perplexity that you can ask, like, how do I, I don't know how good this is, but an RV tech. And instead of, so if I take this answer and I put it into Google first, 
I'll go over here, sharing, you should see Google now. So how do I become an RV tech? Then there's sponsored stuff at the top and RVTA, RVTIA. And then I'm scrolling through a bunch of things and clicking links and learning. And it's going to take me a little bit, right? Oh, if yeah. I do anything over here on perplexity, this is the future of search. It's going to give me an answer. One. So one. We have a few concerns for me with this. Number one is, are we pushing humans to a place where we no longer have discerning capability to comb through information and decide what's best for us because we're just taking one answer from a robot. Maybe, and but don't we do that already by clicking the first link in Google? I don't. Maybe you do. But I a lot of people do, though. <laughs> um, and, and it's if this is actually gathering all that information yeah. together and putting it into one thing, then it's more than one opinion, we think. Right, but it's starting here. Like, it's nice think, where it got it from. But things like when we look at doing a campground search on this, how soon does it become a scenario where the campground that buys the ad is the one answer instead of being the right answer? And that concerns me. Who gets to govern and decide what criteria go into choosing the one answer? And so I'm, as a human being... <laughs> going to be very cautious going forward with these things. I want to know, are you filtering this with genuine information or is there somebody deciding these things with dollars behind the scenes or maybe not even dollars, maybe just, I like this guy better. Who gets yeah. to, do and so those things concern me. Otherwise, I said on last week's show as well, given mm. the coming as an operator of any business, I would be paying attention to how I make sure I'm the one answer. Yeah. I'd love sure. to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's scary. You got to admit, when you put a human element to it, you know, where is this information and where yep. none of the data is verified and neither is it on Google. But if you went to yeah. WebMD compared to just Joe Blow, who has the same problem, yeah, you're going to give a little bit more, totally. you know, literally the WebMD. To completely course, agree. Course. I said this to Brian the other day as well when we were talking about news articles and things like that generated by AI. I pay attention to who's writing my article, the article I'm reading, because that does, their perspective changes how I perceive that article and the information contained inside of it. So for me as a human, and you argued with me that not everybody's like that, but I do think a lot of people are like that. And so I think I do have some concerns about some of this. I want to know that like susan said you can go to webmd and feel like you can trust that information but now we're just compiling everything from the internet so tommy joe blow on the dark web can write whatever he wants and now it's impacting those well, so no to a certain extent because they cut off the lower i think 50 percent of the junk content when they're training the models but who so for, i do share your concerns i share your concerns they're very real we're already out of time. I feel like this maybe validates the, I should have a separate podcast for this. Yeah, yeah this is, yeah. But, this is um, but yeah, this is, this is the important thing here is bringing it to your attention that this stuff exists and it can help you streamline your workday. The other day we had, we put in Kara's schedule and said, Kara has these 20 things to do, optimize her day. And it gave her a day by day, including eating breakfast and taking didn't care of kids. Even though you didn't tell it to. Children at this time, that oh. we dude, the robots can just dictate it all now. And if you don't, it's going to be in a voice system. If you don't think it's going to be in your car, if you don't think, you know, where should I'm 40 miles? I'm really getting tired. I want to stop within the next hour. What campground should I go to? It's going to give you an answer. 
one. Did, did you give a 23 hour task day to Kara? <laughs> I got her. Did you get done by six? It had her done by six. Close though. Really close. Yeah. <laughs> test out. Yeah. Really close. And then it, it even built in breaks for her too. Wow. Yeah. Short ones, hopefully. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Thank you guys, Little. I appreciate you joining us. The whole intention is to spark a conversation and get you guys to play with this. So if you want to, that tool I just showed you is free. You yep. go to OpenAI's website, register for it. It is in free open beta, and you can do exactly what I just did to your heart's content. Awesome. So, We're all going to be tech problems this afternoon. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week Thank on another you. show. Thank you. See everybody. Thank Bye. you. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.